Hi, welcome to the Van Man Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm the Van Man. How are you doing, Grandpa? I'm doing great. Good. I've got my my Grandpa Max Garrett with me here today. Um, the second part of a two-part episode series, The Grand Garretts. Um, getting right into it, do you want to describe yourself for everyone? I'm an old man, 92 years old, but I feel like I'm about 60. I'm uh, I'm in good health. Uh, I love life. That's perfect. White hair, fresh haircut. Yeah. Glasses. Yeah. No, no medications. You're very lucky with that. Being 92. Uh, how would you describe your personality? Easy going, easy to get along with. Would you say you're quiet? I am very quiet. <laughs> Rather introverted. No, no, I wouldn't say that. But, but I am quiet. Yeah. I think my entire life, I've always known the two of you as Grandma Talks. Grandma asks the questions. And you've always been very content to just sit and listen. That's right. Um, well, let's take Grandma's suggestion. I mean, if we're doing the second episode, for, for everyone that didn't hear the last half hour that we didn't record... Grandma gave me some great suggestions of what I could do better, some questions that I could ask that I could have asked her. Um, but some of them were just, uh, you know, what was your family life like growing up? What was it like growing up with your siblings? I'm a twin. I have a twin brother. He was born uh, 10 minutes before I was, so he was always older than me. And he always let me know that he's older than me. But uh, I come from a large family. My parents had nine children. And I was uh, number eight in the family. Uh, we grew. I grew up in Salt Lake City during the Depression time, and uh, it was a, a very hard time. My dad worked hard to make a living for the family, and uh, we always supported him in what he did. And uh, but we survived. Yeah, that's a that's a hard time to have so many kids. Yeah, and have that much responsibility. Well, what was it like uh, growing up in the country then? What was the country like? No, I didn't grow up in the country. I grew up in Salt Lake City. Oh, so, well, that's what I mean, in the U.S. What was it like growing up in Salt Lake City during the Depression? It was, it was good. It was good. Uh, uh, the schools that I went to, the grade school was close by, walking distance. Well, we didn't have school buses back then. We walked to school all the time. Uh, and so uh, it, was, it was okay. It was it was fine. I guess you didn't know any different, right? No, I didn't know any. I didn't. I didn't have any real rich friends, or, or because of because of the depression, times were hard, and uh, it was hard to find jobs. And and uh, but we survived. Did you uh, have to get a job early on to help support the family? I didn't have to support the family, but it was during the. Uh, during the Second World War is when I started working. I started working in a local uh, grocery store. And uh, I'd go down and work there every night after school. And during the summers, I'd work all day long. My pay was 12 and a half cents an hour. That's what I started my job at. And when I look around now and see that the starting salaries are $15, I... It just boggles my mind when I think that I started out for 12 and a half cents an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. What would 12 and a half cents buy you? 
back then? What could you get? Oh, you could buy uh, buy quite a bit for a dime. I remember I found a Canadian dime one time, and I took it to the grocery store. This was when I was just a little kid uh-huh. to buy a great big bag full of candy. I said, I want this and this and this and this. And he put it all in the bag, and I gave him the dime. And he says, sorry, all the candy has to go back because this is Canadian dime. <laughs> That's awesome. But it, normally a dime would have bought you a whole bag of candy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Do you have any other uh, memories, especially from your youth in high school? Well, the best memory that I have in my youth is going on a hike with my twin brother and older brother, Ralph, and a friend, and we ended up at Hogel Zoo in Salt Lake City, and I got picked up by the elephant there. Scared the living daylights out of me. (laughs) He picked me up off the ground, and and I beat on his trunk, and uh, he let me down. Come to find out, at one time it was a circus elephant, so he was used to picking up people, so... But that didn't make me feel any better. <laughs> it's still scary. That's awesome. Um, after high school, did you go right on your mission? Or did you no, go to the military no, first? No, I went to LDS Business College for a okay. while. And then uh, I went on my, mis- uh, on my mission uh, to Uruguay in South America and when, you, I was, when I was 19. And you've served two missions together as well, right? Yes, my wife and I have served a mission in Ireland and a temple mission in uh, Veracruz, Mexico. Do you have a favorite of those three? Do you have a one of the missions that... Well, they were all different. They were all different. Right. And uh, But I still remember the Spanish language, and I can carry on a conversation in Spanish and and uh, so I like to listen to people talk in Spanish, especially when I they think that I don't understand them. Yeah, <laughs> you are pretty good at Spanish. I've, I remember you talking with Abe and and Hannah when they got back from their missions. Yeah, and your Spanish is good. It's a lot better than my Spanish. Not that I not that I was ever any good. Um, after Uruguay, where else did you travel? While I was in Uruguay on my mission, the Korean War broke out. Mm-hmm. And so I was drafted in the Army just shortly after I got home. So I ended up, uh, I spent some uh, month in Japan, and then I uh, ended up in Korea. Uh, I never did see any combat while I was there. Uh, I was always, af- when I was in basic training, I was always afraid that I would have to shoot someone, which I never did want to do. I ended up at first, while I, when I got to Korea, being in the headquarters battery, taking care of personnel records. But later on, they said they needed a bookkeeper in the NCO club. And that's what I ended up doing, being the bookkeeper in the NCO club, which was really, it opened at 5 o'clock, and that was when the GIs had come in, and it was because it was just a bar then, and they'd come in and get their drinks and that. And I didn't care for that part of it. I told them. I didn't want that job because it was a barn. I'd never been in a barn all my life, and and they said I'd get paid extra, so finally I accepted as long as I didn't have to be there after 5 o'clock. That's awesome. I remember, um, didn't you used to save up your cigarette rations and trade them? Oh, yeah, we used, to get, we used to get cigarette rations, and I had a whole footlocker full of cigarettes, and so I would, uh, I would use them to barter with. We had uh, houseboys in the, in the NCO club, and I'd give them a carton of cigarettes and tell them to go out in the villages and, and buy me uh, buy me things, which they did. 
That's awesome. Did your uh, brothers or other family members, did they also serve in the military? Yes. My oldest brother was in the Air Force. Then my brother Ralph was in the Navy. My twin brother Mark was in the Air Force. And I was in the Army. So all four boys in the... Uh, I have a, had a younger brother, but he was Down syndrome, so... Okay. Uh, so he didn't serve. Okay. Um, what did you do when you got back? When I got back, I en enrolled at BYU and graduated from BYU in accounting and... and uh, Got my job in accounting after that. And at what point in that did you meet Grandma? I met my wife right after I got home from my mission. And uh, she, uh, we were having a uh, missionary party. And uh, one, of the mission, my, one of my missionary companions asked me to get a date and go double dating with him. I says, I just got home. I don't know any girls. So you find me a blind date. So he asked his girl to find a blind date and she didn't want to because she didn't know me and so he asked invited me to go along with him anyway and I come to find out that she was his blind date later on that evening they were going to a movie and he didn't invite me to go but she did so I went to the movie with him <laughs> and then later you guys ended up dating well yeah then we ended up dating and then I went off to Korea and right. and uh, and uh, when I got back from Korea, she had been on. A, she was on a mission, mm -hmm. and she had ten months left. So now I was waiting for her to come home. And uh, at one time, I uh, while I was going to BYU, I went into uh, one of my room. Uh, uh, one of my friends that was in the accounting class with me said, "Come on over to my apartment tonight. We'll work out our accounting problems together," which I did. And when we got all through doing that, I just happened to walk into the bedroom of his roommate, and there on the wall was the same picture I had of the girl I was writing to. And <laughs> I said, who is that girl? And he says, oh, it's some girl my roommate's writing. She's on a mission back east somewhere. So anyway, it came time for her to come home. She didn't come home by plane or bus or anything, train. She came home with a private party. I knew what time, uh, about what time she'd be home, sometime in the afternoon. So I went to her house. They invited me in to wait for her. Guess what? There were three other guys waiting for her, too. So all the th four of us were, taking, were entertaining each other, waiting for the same girl. But I went out. <laughs> you left out that, Grandma. <laughs> I didn't know about that part. Um, how long was it after that that you guys started dating and then getting engaged? It was probably about, uh, well, from the time we met till we got married, it was four years. So Okay. And she was, you were out for, a, was it a year and a half, two years? No, I was uh, gone for two years in the service. Two years in the service and then another 10 months. Yeah. So then you guys must have dated for another, well, dated and engaged for another yeah. year or something yeah. after that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then did you guys live in Utah? The entire time, or what? at what point did you guys move to Minnesota? When I graduated from college, I got a job with a savings and loan company in Salt mm -hmm. Lake, and I lost my job there, and I got another job with a company, and a company in uh, Minnesota, in Minneapolis, bought the company in Salt Lake. So that's how we ended up in Minnesota, because a IDS company in Minnesota 
bought uh, security leasing that we had in Salt Lake, so we moved back to Minnesota with them. Hmm. But then later on, I lost my job with them, which was a good good thing because another company bought them in San Diego, and the company had to move to San Diego, and I got a job with General Mills back in in Minnesota and worked for them. Okay. Were you guys in the same house in Minnesota, in Brooklyn Park? Yeah. The whole time? Yeah. Did you know I visited that house? You've been there? Good for you. Yeah. When I was uh, doing summer sales, I went and mom sent me the address okay. and I went and looked at it. Okay. Yeah. So I know I know where you guys lived. That's that's about it. I didn't get to go in at all, but it's still there. Um, what, did, what was it like uh, raising such a big family for you? Well, it was a big responsibility because they were all so close together. We yeah. had our last child, and the oldest was only 12. So eight children in 12 years, that's, that's a pretty good-sized family. When we had parent conferences at school, both of us had to go because we couldn't cover, because we had so many kids in grade school that we could, could not enough time to cover them all. So right. my wife would take part, and I'd take part to interview with the teachers. Um, how did you – obviously now one of your hobbies is cross-stitching. Were you cross-stitching all the way back then? No, I got started. I got started in Minnesota. What happened was my oldest sister, Dora, started doing that. And she says she thought I might be interested in doing something like that. So she she called me on the phone and she says, you ought to try it out. And so I thought, well, I will. So I did and I like it. Now I've, I've done at least 50 pictures. And uh, all of my children have some of them, and our house is, has a lot of them, and I enjoy doing it. I'll have to make sure to take some pictures. That way I can post them on Instagram, because for everybody listening, he's very good at cross-stitching. Every year, <laughs> every year I put one in the state fair, and I always get a blue ribbon. Or This last fall, I got a sweepstake on the, on the picture that I put in. Yeah, how long does it take you to do one picture? It depends on the size, usually about six months. But the one that I put in the fair, uh, it took me a year to do that one. About 50 of those. You've done that 50 times. 50, 50 different pictures. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they are incredible. I mean, all of your kids have them in their houses, and it's easy to pick them out because oh, yeah. they're the only cross-stitch. Yep, they're that's amazing. Right. That's right. Did you, did you only do pictures? Because I remember you guys had those those ornaments, and my mom got into oh. doing, like, stockings and things like that. Did you make those as well? Yeah, I made Christmas tree ornaments out of felt. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I did all those, and the kids all liked them, and I st we still use them every year. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should still use them on our tree, too. I mean, they're a staple yeah. for all of your kids. Um, just while we're still kind of on the topic of kids or before we get too far away from it, um, do you have any advice you would give to people who are starting their family or that have large families themselves? No, not well, not really. But I would say that uh, it's nice to have big families and don't be afraid to to have them because it all works out in the end. And and uh, we're proud of all of our children, the eight children that we had. We now have thirty six grandkids and forty three great grandkids, and so it's it's fun. Now we have a big, big, big family. Yeah, it is a lot of fun because we. It, it's fun too because. From my perspective, as one of the grandkids, I think you guys did a really great job of building a family that stays together. You know, we all know each other. We're all close. We could all 
call each other and say something if we needed to, you know, and so it makes the family reunions a lot of fun because yeah. we're still pretty close together. Uh, even even though we're all older and have our own lives and, you know, we, I'm still close with my cousins because of that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, what other hobbies do you have? Or is cross-stitching really the main one? The cross-stitch is really, <laughs> that's really all I do during the day. I I just can't sit and watch TV. I have to be doing something. Just sitting there watching TV is a waste of time. So if I'm doing something like cross-stitch and watch TV at the same time, I'm, I'm accomplishing something. And then when you're taking breaks from doing that, you're beating grandma and backgammon, right? Yes, all the time. I'm telling you, she cheats. I know. She cheats. I can't catch her. <laughs> but that's why she wins all the time. <laughs> um, uh, what was it like transitioning from having such a big family and having everybody in grade school and everybody in high school, everybody in college, and then all of a sudden you guys were empty nesters after well, 23 years? Well, it was really a relief. They all came out to BYU while we lived in Minnesota, so we were going to stay in Minnesota. So right. after I retired from General Mills, we moved out where our children are out west. And you've been here since? We've been here in, in uh, Pleasant Grove now for 22 years. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I assume probably what you like most about being here is that you get to be so close to the kids, right? Yeah. To your family. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um one of the questions I wanted to make sure I ask that grandma was very specific about me asking is, um, how do you live a happy life? You know, after having such a big family and growing up in such a big family and living through multiple wars and through the great depression, um, you know, what life experiences do you have that you would advise other people on? Well, my advice is to get out of debt because debt can be a real burden on a person. So we haven't been in debt now for many, many years. We have, we have uh, savings and uh, we don't have to worry about finances. And so uh, we don't have any worries that way. And uh, so we're happy to just, we're happy to be together because we're both 92 and not very many people can can uh, be together at that age. In August, it'll be 64 years since we've been married. Yeah, 64 years, 64 roses. Oh yeah, 64 roses. Hey, one time I, I've given her one rose for every year we've been married. And I went to Costco to buy some roses. And I had three bundles in my arm. And the lady in front of me says, are you in trouble or what's happened anyway? <laughs> and I told her no. I said, explain to her what I was doing and what I did for every anniversary. And so she turned around to everyone and says, hey, everyone, look at this man here. He's given his wife a red rose for every year they've been married. And now it's a number 58. And uh, when she got through checking out, she turned around to me and she says, hold out your hand, which I did. And she slapped a $10 bill in my hand. I said, I don't want that. She said, yeah, you take it. It's worth it. <laughs> I love that story. I love that you do that. I love that you have that consistent tra tradition of getting roses every year. Um, what was the, you know, one of the first things that you, you know, thought about grandma? I thought she was very nice looking, and I was, at first I didn't know whether I should date her or not, because she was a, I thought she was a girlfriend of one of my missionary companions, and, and I didn't want to be doing something that he didn't want me to do, so uh, it was maybe, maybe three months after 
I first met her that I I saw her and then I thought, well, let's let's give it a try. And I I saw her. I was going to Elias Business College and she was working for the uh, uh, Improvement Era, and uh, she was down the basement where my locker was. And that's when I saw her and started talking with her, and and that's where where things got started. So now after a lifetime together. What are some of your favorite things about her? She's a she's a good wife. She's a she's an excellent mother. Uh, we get along well. Uh, we both came from similar backgrounds, and so we uh, we have a lot in common. Hmm. I love that. Um, what advice do you have for people for a happy marriage and for making the marriage last so long? Just work hard. A happy wife is a happy life, so make sure you keep your wife happy all the time. Well, I remember talking to you a little bit about sometimes you guys would have disagreements like everybody has. Yeah. How would you guys handle disagreements when they would come up? We would just, when we when we had family, we would just go in the bedroom, close the door, and talk, to, talk it out, and, and uh, that's the best way to do it. Just, we've never... I've talked to some people where they've been mad at each other for two or three days and they don't speak. That's never happened to us. It might be maybe an hour uh, when we t- start talking to each other and that's that's it. Yeah, that's Don't that's let what things fester up. Yeah, you guys would take care of it pretty quickly, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. And those conversations, if I remember right, they would only be 10, 15 minutes and you guys would talk about it right away and... Yep. If it, I think you said you would take turns. You would say everything you want to say and she can't interrupt and then it would be her turn and she would say everything she wants to say and you wouldn't interrupt, right? Right. And that, and that worked. That's the way it was, yeah. Huh. I love that. I love it. I think it's important for everybody just to find out what works, but I yeah. love that that was the consistent, uh, I guess, ritual or rhythm that you guys were in in your marriage and the way that you guys handled problems was consistent throughout the years yeah um one thing i want to ask because i asked grandma as well is you're 92 close to 100 um go ahead hey i renewed my driver's license a couple of months ago and when i got my new one in the mail the expiration date is on my 100th birthday and I plan on renewing it again. Good. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Another eight years will be will be great. 20, 2030. February 12th, 2030 is when, when I turn 100. And that's when my license expires. It's going to be a crazy party, everyone. So anybody can come. It's going to be an awesome party. Can you tell me about your uh, mission reunion that you just had? Oh, yeah. We, uh, we went to the Uruguayan missionary reunion this last april it's the oldest missionary reunion in the church there were only three of us there there a lot of them have died most of them have died off but uh, it's always a great time to 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 meet with these people there were people there from uruguay that i knew down in uruguay that was good to to see them and and uh, it's a and the missionary reunion is only a, a 10 minute drive from here so uh, I always go to them. It's fun to be there. How many were left? How many missionaries? Are left now? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. 
there's probably were probably some that didn't don't come to the reunion. Oh, okay. But there were th- there were three of us this day that okay. we went this past time that t- that were there when I was there. Okay. Um, I asked Grandma this, and I want to ask you as well. Um, you know, obviously, you guys are 92. A lot of your friends and a lot of people that you knew throughout your lives have passed away, and you guys are a lot closer to dying than I am. Does that scare you? Are you scared of death? Or I'm not a, a scared of death one bit. If I have to go tomorrow, I'm I'm ready for it. I hope you don't go tomorrow. That would be really sad. <laughs> That's a little too soon. I, you got I, eight I more heard, years left. I heard one guy say that he doesn't buy any bananas or green because he's afraid that he might die before they get ripe. So he doesn't yeah. buy green bananas. You got to keep buying green bananas. Yeah. <laughs> more green bananas. You got to stick around until you're 100. That'll be a fun party. Um, I think that's about all of my questions. Grandma, did I miss anything? I got everything. Do you have anything else that you want to tell people? Not really. Just that I love life. I love my wife. I love, uh, I love being alive. And life is good. I do have one more question, actually, that I didn't write down. But I asked Grandma this as well. And it was, um, uh, what's the key to having such a strong testimony throughout your entire life? Just being active in the church, going on a mission, uh, make sure that uh, you associate with good people. Paying tithing. We pay, we've always paid 100% tithing. Uh, working in the temple, keeping in touch with people there. And uh, uh, that's, and I have a strong testimony. The thing is, when I traveled after my mission, I traveled to old Indian ruins where the Lamanites and the Nephites lived in South America and Central America. And that increased my testimony, just being there and, and seeing the ruins that those people left behind. So. I have a strong testimony of the Book of Mormon and the church and and, uh, the prophet and everything. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, both of you, for letting me come back a second time and interviewing you both. Hey, I hope there will be a third time. There will be in another six months. Okay. okay. (laughs) All right. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you.